It's sad. It's sad, isn't it? The number of people who say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I step forward in church Sunday. I'm going to serve God. And then Monday, they're right back to what they used to do. Friday night, they're back at the club. Saturday, they're back at the club. Sunday, went to church. Saturday, back at the club. See, being a Christian is not that you go to, you serve God on Sundays and Monday through Saturday, you do whatever you want. Being a follower of Christ means that you serve him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. We're in this series looking at what it means to be a true follower of Christ. We've looked at the truth. You've got to set your heart on things eternal. Last week we looked at you've got to learn how to say no to the things that will take you off path. Today we want to look at counting the cost. What is required? We have three different chapters I want to look at today. Luke 5, Luke 9, and Luke 14. It really doesn't matter where you look. They're all kind of the same, although they're different. I want you to begin, write this down. The first point is this in Luke 5. Jesus calls ordinary people to follow after him. This story in Luke chapter 5 is a familiar story. It's the first time that Jesus is calling disciples, and he calls some fishermen who had been fishing all night long. They had not caught a single fish, even though they'd fished all night long. And Jesus shows up and says to the fishermen, why don't you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And so they do that, and in verse 7 it says that they caught so many fish that the boats began to sink. And I want to pick the story up with there in verse 8 to see what happens in Luke 5 verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, verse 10. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, for now on you will catch what? Men. Now look at it. Look at verse 11. We're looking at what does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. They pulled their boats up on the shore. The Bible says they left everything and they followed Jesus him. Fishermen in Jesus' day were at the bottom rung of the social ladder. These guys had zero followers on Instagram. They were really a bunch of losers is what they were. Next time someone calls you a loser, just go perfect. That's exactly who Jesus calls. You would think if you were in charge and you were going to start a movement that would reach the entire world, that you would call some qualified people. You would call some noble men, some rich men, some movers and the shakers of the world. But no, not Jesus. He chooses a group of lowly, uneducated, stinking, filthy, smelly fishermen. And so if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you think, well, 
Uh, Pastor, you don't know my life. God could never use someone like me. Wrong. You are exactly the kind of person that God calls. The fishermen were the lowest of the low. And if God can choose them, then God can choose you. That's who he calls to follow after him. Two things about this particular chapter. Their obedience led to their blessing. You see, it wasn't until, you know, they'd been fishing all night long, and they were fishermen. They knew the lake. They knew how to fish. That was their profession. And all of a sudden, a carpenter shows up. And it's like you'd never let a fisherman tell a carpenter how to build a house. A carpenter shouldn't tell a fisherman how to catch fish. These guys had fished all night long, hadn't caught a thing. All of a sudden, the carpenter shows up, Jesus, and says to the fisherman, why don't you try that side of the boat? And so they said, okay, okay, Lord, we know what we're doing. We've been fishing all night long. The fish are not biting. And then they said this, but because you say so, we'll try it. And verse 7 again says they caught so many fish that the boat began to sink. I want you to see that picture. They were literally drowning in their blessings. But those blessings came from their obedience. You see, whenever you're obedient, that's where God brings his blessing into your life. And I want you to write this down. It was their blessing that led them to fully surrender. See, when they saw the hand of God blessing their life, it led them to a point of repentance, a, po- a point where they were willing to leave everything and follow after Jesus. And so I just want to challenge you today uh, to begin walking in obedience. That's what a follower does. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, you need to trust the carpenter and what he has to say to you. And so if you begin to pray and study the Word of God, see if God doesn't supernaturally begin to give you wisdom and knowledge from above. Uh, Learn how to love people unconditionally, as the Bible teaches, and see if those people that there's a wall in your relationship, see if those walls don't start tumbling down uh, supernaturally. Uh, Give generously and see if God doesn't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you do not even have room enough uh, to store it all. Uh, Raise your children in in the ways and the instructions of the Lord and see, even though they might wander off, the Bible says they, they will return. But raise your children in the ways and the instruction of the Lord and see if God doesn't bring a blessing upon your household. Learn to live on this planet as spending your time and your energy glorifying God. And see if, if as you honor God, if the Lord does not honor you in return, as the Bible says in the book of Samuel. I have a feeling once you've experienced his blessing, you too will want to follow him. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4 that God's kindness leads us to repentance. I mean, think about where you live. You live in the United States of America. All the news is about all the people trying to get here. Why do they want to leave where they are and come here? Why? Because it's the greatest place to live. And you slept last night in a bed and you're going to sleep tonight in a bed, and you're going to sleep tomorrow night in a bed, and you had food yesterday, and you have food today, and you're going to have food tomorrow. Can you say amen? amen. And you go to church, one of the greatest churches in the country, and, and, and you have your freedom. You have the freedom to worship God here today. Your, your heart, your heart this very moment is beating. There, there are all kinds of people whose hearts have stopped beating, but no, God has smiled upon you. You're here today. You have a Bible. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have salvation. I I mean, think of all. You had a car. Somehow you got to church today. Think of how God has blessed your life already. 
when you walk in obedience, you see his blessing. His blessing, his kindness leads us to fully surrender. That's what happened to these disciples. Number two, write this down. He calls us to daily self-denial. This is the heart and the soul of this message. I want you to just say heart and soul. Go over to Luke chapter 9. We were in chapter 5. We're going to go to 9. He's talking to Peter, and Peter makes this great confession of faith in verse 20. What about you, Peter? Who do you say that I am? And Peter has this statement uh, that says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone because, you know, he's just talking to his inner circle. You know, he's got a plan, and eventually he wants the whole world to know that he's the Messiah. But, but as he begins his ministry, he just wants his inner circle to know. And so they're having this, this meeting. You can just imagine they're, they're having this discussion, you know, who do, who do people say that I am? And, and Peter's the one who says, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice the very first thing. Now, let me say this about the Gospel of Luke. In Luke, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, in Luke, Jesus is always walking and moving towards the cross. Okay? All throughout the Gospel of Luke. Uh, more so than the other Gospels, in his, in his teachings and what he says. There's just more about him walking towards the cross. So you have this text in Luke chapter 9. His disciples, he's finally revealed to him that he is the Messiah. And the very first thing that he says, in, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, good job, buddy. I'm proud he finally got it. No, he says, don't tell anybody. And then he says this, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Yes, I am the Messiah, but the Son of Man, I'm, I'm going to suffer many things, and I will be rejected by the elders, and I will be rejected by the chief priest, and I will be rejected by the teachers of the law, and then I, I just want you to know that, that, that I'm going to be killed. I, I, they're they're going to kill me. And, and try not to worry. And I think this went right over their head when he said that the third day I'll be raised alive. I don't think they understood that. But he says, I will suffer many things. They're going to kill me. And then look at the very next verse. It's very interesting. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow what? Follow me. Eighteen times in the New Testament, Jesus calls the disciples, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Follow me, 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 follow me. Do you get the picture? Jesus is revealed as the Messiah. He says, I will suffer many things. The elders are going to reject me, and I am going to be killed. And then he says, follow me. Is that interesting to you? In one verse he says, they're going to kill me. And then he says, why don't you come with me? First thing that he says, you've got to deny yourself. I saw today on the news, I was looking, I turned TV on for this morning, there was some guy talking. They did a poll in the United States of America. What is the one word that describes Americans? And it was the word, it has a hyphen, it's still one word, it's called self-absorbed. In the midst of today's postmodern gospel of easy believism, Jesus says in order to be a follower, you've got to deny 
yourself. And the word deny, write this down, means to refuse. Self is anything that has to do with you. It's best defined as your welfare, your interest, your agenda, your advancement. To deny self means to refuse self. It means that you have to refuse your will over his will. It means to put his interest above your interest. John the Baptist was the one in John 3 verse 30 that said, he must increase and I must decrease. It's putting his will above your will, his agenda above your agenda, his wants and wishes above your wants and wishes. To deny self means that you deny what the flesh wants. It means to refuse to walk down the path that dishonors God. You have to refuse. You just, you just refuse. I refuse. I refuse to sin. The flesh says do that. You say, I refuse. I deny myself. Say no to what the flesh wants and say yes to what the Spirit of God wants. And then he says, he says in that verse, take up his cross. The cross was a symbol of suffering. See, he's walking towards that cross. And then he calls you to pick up your cross. And we're so confused in our culture because we wear the cross. And I have a cross I wear from time to time. I don't think of it as a cute piece of jewelry, but most people do. But the cross involved, it was a form of execution. The cross, no, no one would wear a cross around their neck in Jesus' day. The cross involved the sounds of hammers hitting nails, the nails being driven through flesh and tendon. It meant bones cracking, blood gushing forth. It entailed excruciating pain and lingering death. It involved victims crying out in pain and criminals cursing their executioners. The smell of death was in the air. I I guarantee you this, if you lived in Jerusalem and you ever saw a man carrying a cross out of town, with Roman soldiers standing next to him and walking with him, you knew one thing. He wasn't coming back. This was a one-way street. If you saw a man carrying a cross, you knew just around the corner was his death. And Jesus is saying this, if you want to follow me, you better pick up that cross. In other words, there's no turning back. You don't, you don't serve me for a little bit and then you quit. You pick this cross up, it means you're going to serve me until the day you die. It means that you're willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. This is not an easy road. Being a Christian is not a piece of cake. Don't think that becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is a comfortable thing. That's why the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is a joke. It's a false doctrine. What does it mean to pick up a cross? It means that you're taking this serious. You're going you're gonna to serve Christ to the end of your days on this earth. And no matter how bad it gets, you're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. You're just going to serve God and serve him faithfully. And then he says, uh, the third thing in there, uh, uh, look at verse 23 again. Look at verse 23. He, he said, uh, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Write this down, daily. This is just in case you don't know. Daily is 365 days a year. It's sad. It's sad, isn't it? The number of people who say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I step forward in church Sunday. I'm going to serve God. And then Monday, they're right back to what they used to do. 
Friday night, they're back at the club. Saturday, they're back at the club. Sunday, went to church. Saturday, back at the club. See, being a Christian is not that you serve God on Sundays and Monday through Saturday, you do whatever you want. Being a follower of Christ means that you serve him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, I'm saddened on Easter. You're all happy on Easter. We put up this tent. It seats 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. We have two services. We have 20,000 people that come on Easter. And the very next Sunday, it's the lowest attendance of the year. Where did all those people go? Did they think that once was enough? Have we not explained to people what it means to be a Christian? Jesus calls us to daily self-denial every single day. Pick up your cross and do whatever it is that he calls you to do. In the final passage, let's go over to chapter 14. He calls us to count the cost. you got to count the cost. Here's the question. Are you willing to put Jesus above your family? Hey, preacher, don't go to my family. That's the most important thing to me. That's exactly the point. Look at verse, uh, Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds. Jesus looked at all those crowds, and he knew they weren't truly followers. And so he says, if, in verse 26, you, you'd think he'd be trying to, you know, say, look, hey, look how many people I have in church. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot, he cannot be my disciple. You say, well, preacher, are you telling me that I'm supposed to hate my family? Well, you have to read this and understand that Jesus is talking about in comparison, you better love Jesus a whole lot more than you even love your family. In comparison, it seems like hatred. It's like I use the illustration of someone gave you a cup of vanilla ice cream. Oh, thank you. I love vanilla ice cream. And someone walked up and said, hey, I got a whole gallon of chocolate ice cream just for you. You'd go, give me that. I hate, I hate vanilla ice cream. Give me that chocolate. You know, it's not that you hate that. It's just in comparison, you hate it. And when you look at what, who God, who Jesus, and what he's done for you, and you see the same is true today as it was in Jesus' day. It's the same. Because if I asked you what is the most important thing in your life, you might say God, but you act like your family's the most important. Right? Who's more important, your family or your job? Who's really more important to you? Family. If I asked you who's more important, the church or your family, who would you say? Family. And if you get down to it, for many of us, our family is even more important than God to us. Because this weekend, right here, there's people all over not here because they're on a family outing. And I'm not against family outings. I like family outings. But you have six days a week to do family outings. There's one day a week you need to be in the house of God. And that's Sunday. The last part of verse 26, and yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. And there's two illustrations on counting the cost. One is on a tower. You don't start a tower until you figure out how much is this going to cost me because you don't want to build half the tower and run out of money. The second illustration is going to war. You don't want to go to war unless you figure out what is the war going to cost. And likewise, the whole point of this text, you don't walk down this aisle and say, I want to follow Jesus without first sitting down and calculating, well, what is this going to cost me if I make this decision? You don't get baptized unless you first calculate, well, what is this going to cost me? Am I willing to pick up that cross and say no to the things of this world and give up everything? 
My buddy Cam Huxford, who's been in this church, he's preached here. He preaches in Savannah, Georgia. He's got a lake right outside his church. And right after church, they go out and baptize in a lake. How many think that's cool to have a, a lake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at the photo. If you look in the upper left-hand corner, there's an alligator in that lake. Now how many of you want to get baptized? And they baptize people out there all the time. Those people are committed. I want to ask you a question. Be honest before God. If I put an alligator in the baptistry, and I said right now, hey, we want to baptize folks. Come on. How many of you would say, eh, I think I'll wait till next week? Point is this, is are you willing to put Jesus above your life, everything? I mean, if you have to suffer, even if you die, are you willing to walk down that road? And if you're not, you, you've not counted the cost. And you're not a true follower unless, now watch this third one, you're not going to like this. This is like, I hate in and on a low, low note. He says, you must be willing to put Jesus above your, your very possessions. This is where the crowd shrinks. This is where the masses leave. This is where the church attendance is cut. This is where half of you don't come back next week. Some of you will be mad here in just about two seconds. Look what verse 33 says, because this is not the type of Christianity you want. You want Christianity to like. You want to be a Christian without sacrificing anything. He says in verse 33, as we prepare to close, he says, uh, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my what? Now, now stay with me. I don't care if you're in Luke 5, if you're in Luke 9, or if you're in Luke 14. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to give up everything. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend, either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith 
how to extend Jesus' love to others and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.